Hello, everybody. Jeff Cooper here from Classic Christian Rock Radio. We have Carolyn Ahrens here. Finally got her name right. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got a brand new album out here uh, called Recognition. And uh, so, Carolyn, how are you doing today? And can you tell us about the recording of this album? Yeah, well, I'm I'm doing well today. Thanks, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And yeah, this album just came out. I was not expecting to do a, a new album in this last year. Kind of caught me by surprise. Mm. My my last. Uh, this will be my well. It is my thirteenth release, but my last uh, release was about six years ago. Wow. Yeah, and I've continued to do music since. Uh, kind of, I have a a job with an organization called Renovari, and I use music a lot in that job. But uh, but it's kept me really busy. Uh, but sort of around the beginning of the um, the pandemic, uh, there was a kind of a series of events that seemed to reactivate the the music part of me, and mm-hmm. uh, I went from hardly writing at all to to not being able to stop writing. And so it's been really, really fun to kind of um, get reacquainted with that part of myself and then, uh, you know, create this work that I hope will connect with other people. I I definitely think it will. So uh, producer, you produced with uh, Roy Salmon. Uh, Where did you record it? So Roy has a studio in Surrey, B.C. And I've been uh, working with him Gosh, I've sort of lost track. My first few records were done in Nashville, and then we did one on Salt Spring Island, and then kind of since then, I've been uh, co-producing with Roy, and he has this wonderful studio. Have you ever been in there? No, it's called I Whitewater. Haven't. Yes, I think it used to be in Richmond, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's I, right. Yeah, and I might he, have been uh, by that one, but I didn't. I haven't been out to the Surrey one. Well, you should visit sometime. It's it's mm-hmm. um, in addition to having lots of wonderful recording gear and still kind of analog, still kind of old school in a lot yeah. of ways, which I love. Yeah. But his uh, his guitar collection is unreal, you know, um, and there are just yeah. different different songs living inside different guitars. So it's That's nice right. to have um, so many different options. His wife calls them his crayons, you know, they're yeah. all the different things that he colors with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really, a really special place to go and be able to to make music. And the first part of the pandemic, Mm-hmm. When uh, in the original lockdown, we figured out a way to work together where I would come in the back door, he would come in the front door. the The control room is separated from the recording room by <laughs> glass, and yeah. so we were able to work together without um, yeah. without having to be in the same room. So yeah, it worked well. Oh, it's amazing. How would you categorize the music? I think uh, rootsy roots music would be a good. Um, yeah, a good descriptor. I, yeah, I do find myself using the word rootsy a lot. You know, sometimes yeah. I feel like this kind of this woman without a country because yeah. I love um, I love acoustic instruments so much. My duo mm-hmm. partner, Spencer Capier, he plays violin and mandolin, bazooki. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both play acoustic guitar. So, I, so I, it's very folky in that sense. We had a, a, an upright acoustic bass player, nice. real root drummer yeah so it's very folky that way but then i also really love you know 
pop hooks and melodies. There's a yeah. lot of Beatles in me, you know. Yes, and of um, uh, so it's yeah, it's somewhere some sort of collision between folk and pop and and rootsy. I, I like your word. I think that's yeah. a good descriptor. So, rootsy rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Okay, so let's take us through the album a little bit. Um, we can start with track number one. Tell us about the songs. Yeah, so the first song is called Becoming Human, and uh, it's the only song I've ever written that features both Pinocchio and King Lear, Uh, but it comes from this idea that it took me a long time to realize in the life of faith that part of becoming more like Jesus, which is the fond hope of my life, that I'll become more like Jesus, is also to become more fully human. That that's kind of our project while we're here, is to become full, flourishing, whole human beings. And so I I got thinking about, you know, uh, Pinocchio wanted to be a real human, and and, uh, King Lear struggled to be a real human, and kind of used that to play around with this invitation of what would it look like to become uh, fully human? And kind of echoing in the back of my head was this quote from C.S. Lewis that says, the more we let God take us over, the more ourselves we truly become. And so this song is a riff on that. Beautiful. <clears throat> Track two, I don't know what I would do without music. I, I, the title uh, alone intrigues me, but you have a special guest star on on this uh, song as well. <laughs> Tell us how that came about and about the song as well. Yeah, yep, this is a special one to me. So this song, you're right, it's called Without Music. It comes from uh, an expression uh, you've people have probably heard around that without music, life would not be fair. Or I think Kurt Vonnegut said the only you know, put on my tombstone, the only proof I need for the existence of God is is music. Um, <clears throat> and so I I wrote the song thinking about how, it's funny, I, I actually say in the song that I sat down to write a song about how terrible everything is, and the, and the song just kind of turned around and started being a hopeful song, and music kind of has that power. It kind of uh, sustains us, gives us courage, gives us hope, and, and the fact that even in the worst of times, we don't stop singing is important, I think. And so the song tries to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, while I was recording it, I kept hearing uh, in my head Amy Grant's voice on the song. I just thought, uh, man, this song would really suit her. And I think she kept coming to mind because when I was growing up, I listened a ton to Amy. Um, uh, still do, you know, love love her as a person, love her artistry. And um, so I kind of worked up my courage. And we've met each other a few times over the years Um but I, through a mutual friend, I, I sent her an email and said, I keep hearing you on this song. Is there any chance uh, you would sing on it? And she had just had, people may or may not know, she had just had major heart surgery. Yeah. So I wasn't, wasn't sure if she would even feel up to it. Yeah. But I got an email back right away saying, yep, I might be this. I haven't sung since my surgery, so I might be a little croaky, but I'm okay with that if, if you are. And, uh, and of course, she sounds amazing on it. So it's, it's a real gift to me, and, and, and I hope to the world. I hope people will really enjoy it. Oh, it's and, great. Um, yeah, and she said even for her, you know, going through her heart surgery, uh, one of the things um, she – found herself thinking about is what a gift music is, how sustaining it is, uh, a real a real gift from God that, that uh, sustains us, points us towards hope, and um, 
helps us in community, you know, because you need each other to make music. So I love that it can symbolize all of that. That's terrific. And I'll take a croaky uh, Amy Grant any day. Right, right. She's she's terrific. (laughs) That's terrific. Okay. um, The next one I've got to start off here is Pool of Tears. Ah, yeah. That one came out of... Uh, I have a friend, Trevor Hudson. He is a pastor from South Africa. He teaches at the Renovari Institute, which is a program that I oversee. Um, and he has this great story about when he was a young pastor. Uh, he, he came over to America. He was in Washington, D.C. in a kind of pastoral internship with a really wise older pastor. And he really respected how this older pastor did his job. And when it was time for Trevor to leave and fly back to South Africa and kind of embark on his own ministry, he said to this pastor, do you have a word for me? Uh, Trevor says he's only ever asked a couple people that. Do you do you have a word for me? And this older pastor said, yeah, Trevor, just never forget that every person you meet sits next to their own pool of tears. Um, you know, and that if we remember that, you know, that's just part of life here on this broken planet. All of us uh, encounter grief and loss. And if we can remember, you know, there's that meme that goes around sometimes that says, be kind. People are fighting battles that you know nothing about. That's right. And it's. Yeah, it's absolutely true, you know, and if if every person you meet, you kind of hold in your heart that they're sitting next to their own pool of tears, just the way that you are, and that maybe that's actually a place that you could meet and comfort each other and give each other strength for the day. Um, That just really moves me to think about, and, you know, particularly in the year we've just had, that was very much on my heart and mind, and so the song was born out of that. Yeah. And I guess it flows right into To Cry For You. Um, There's intriguing lyrics in this one. So tell us about To Cry For You. Yeah. So I think part of the reason I didn't write the last few years, um, you know, part of it was I was very busy with some other creative work. But part of it was I lost my mom in October of 2018. And she really was my, my first friend and my best friend, really just an extraordinary person and, and um, uh, you know, maybe besides my spouse, my closest, my closest friend and very, we're very enmeshed in each other's lives. So the, the loss was hard and heavy. And um, when I, after I lost my mom, I was really struggling with grief for quite a while and and sort of not letting myself struggle with grief because I thought, you know, come on, Caroline, that you, you, your mom was older and she was sick for a long time. It's not like this came out of the blue. There's people that, you know, lose people under much more tragic circumstances. And yeah. and so, you know, just buck up and, you know, and, and I finally <laughs> actually went to a, a grief counselor and it really helped. She, she said, look, you're you know, you don't compare your grief to anybody else's. Your grief is your journey to go through, and you're going to have to go through it. And then what ended up really helping me was um, probably about six months after my mom died, uh, I got asked to come sing at another mom's funeral. It was actually a friend of mine who sometimes drums on my records. Hmm. Uh, his his wife had passed away suddenly, and he asked if I would come uh, sing at the funeral. And at the funeral, this woman who had passed suddenly, her young son, you know, maybe early 20s, guy named Jordy, um, 
he stood up and spoke at his mom's funeral and he said, you know, if you're wondering if Jordy's going to cry, of course I'm going to cry. And then he said, uh, it is my honor to cry for her. Wow. And yeah, and it kind of flipped things for me. And, and, and my grief counselor had said that too, like you're, the depth of your grief is in a way sort of a tribute and a symbol and embodiment of the love. And so there, it's it's been a journey for me of learning that you there is a way to grieve well and that to cry for people that that we have loved and lost is to honor them and that there isn't you know that grieving well is an honorable thing i was just a person that always tried to get over it as quickly as possible and ran mm -hmm. away from it mm -hmm. and so um learning that uh there's a writer who says grief is the tax we pay on loving yeah. and uh, beginning to understand grief that way and learning to grieve well and learning it's part of, you know, back to the first song in this album, it's part of what helps us to become fully human yeah. is to learn, learn to grieve well. <clears throat> so, so uh, yeah, this song came out of that and I'm grateful for that young man, Jordy, who taught me that it can be an honor to cry for someone. Right on. And uh, we've got uh, Gather Me up here next. Um, tell us about that one. Well, that one is for my husband, Mark, and, and it came out of a, um, as this sort of creative wave was coming upon me in the spring of last year. Um, I think another reason why I had a long season of not writing is when I am writing, I'm a fairly useless for anything else. <laughs> I'm like <Yeah. laughs> super, super distracted, kind of a hazard if I'm driving on the roads and, and uh, you know, just kind of spacey. It, it kind of takes me over. And so when this creative wave upon me came upon me, my husband, Mark, we've been married for over 30 years and I could see him he was excited he was glad that I was feeling uh, creative again but I could see him kind of stealing himself for like okay I'm gonna have to like hold you know I sometimes say he's the I'm the tether ball and he's the <laughs> pole you know I he, he holds me down and I spin around and um, and so one night I was just thinking about that how grateful I am for him and how uh, you know when I get really scattered and I fall to pieces that uh, he takes me up in his arms and he kind of gathers me, helps me get centered and put back together again. And so hmm. I wrote a song for him. Terrific. You uh, autographed my copy of the CD with this next track, uh, Godspeed. Um, yeah. We hear that a lot. And what does it actually mean? And uh, in this song, what, is, what does it mean? Yeah, the inspiration for that came out of an, a new book from the wonderful Canadian author Mark Buchanan. Um, and he, he wrote a book that in the first manuscript was called Godspeed, and then it ended up being called God Walk. And it's about how uh, walking, uh, about walking as a spiritual practice, that just slowing down, going for a walk, slowing down our pace um, can be a really good thing. And sort of part of his premise was, you know, we can as little frantic human beings who who sort of think the world is upon our shoulders and don't don't trust in the way that we should we can start moving much faster than god does in some in some senses and so um i loved this idea this invitation it's a definitely a word for me because i'm often in a rush often hurried uh this invitation to slow down to god's speed it, it's the same idea yeah. as uh there's a, a great um 
line in Chesterton that eventually shows up in a Dylan song mm-hmm. and in a Rich Mullins song that, you yeah. know, we are much older than God. God is younger than us. He, t- mm-hmm. he takes uh, more delight in the world. So, yeah, I love the idea of slowing down to God. Yeah, I like it. Great, great song. Um, maladjusted. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about that one. Well, that one comes out of uh, two sources of, um, uh, was sparked by two sources of inspiration. The first is a, a famous Martin Luther King Jr. speech in which he talks about, uh, you know, the psychological term maladjusted. And he says, yes, we want to be well adjusted in the sense of, you know, avoiding, um, uh, psychoses or you know unbalances uh, in terms of our mental health but he says uh, we don't want to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society and so mm-hmm. he says you know in that sense I am proud to be maladjusted to a world in which uh, you know systemic racism is still a problem yeah. a world in which you know uh, there are people living below the poverty line while other people have so much yeah. and um, so really it's Inspiring. And then my pal Nathan Foster at work, he often says that too. He, he says that it is no sign of health to be um, well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Yeah. Uh, so that was rumbling around in my head, and, and I thought about... Um, uh, you know, there's a part of my personality that just kind of always wants to fit in and not make waves. I don't like conflict very much and and how there might be a bit of a, a call for me and maybe for other people like me to, you know, go ahead and be a little more maladjusted, yeah. to not, not always go with certain flows. Yeah. 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 I like that. Very good. Um, ninth track on here, All Flame. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so there's this great uh, story in the writings of the desert mothers and fathers. These are, these are the, um, you know, in about the third and fourth century, there were some Christians who um, decided to go out and live together in the desert in this kind of experiment of prayer, pray for the city. They could see actually that the city was becoming dysfunctional, something they didn't want to be adjusted to. Mm. And um, and so they went out in this kind of extreme laboratory of living in the desert and seeking God. And there's a great story where, uh, you know, one of these desert dwellers goes to his Abba, kind of a senior, uh, we would think of him now as like a monk out there. He, mm-hmm. he, he goes to the senior guy and he says, you know, I, I wish I had it in front of me to tell you the exact quote, but he goes to him and he says something like, you know, I, I do my best. I, I keep my little prayer. I do my little, you know, all my little spiritual routines. What, what, what should I do next? And then the story say, it goes that the, the senior guy you know, kind of holds up his hands, and he, and as the story goes, his fingers start to, to turn into flickers of, of light, and he says, why not become all flame? Mm. Kind, of, kind of this vision of becoming mm-hmm. just on fire with the love of God, like just, yeah. uh, you know, moving somewhere deeper uh, into the heart and love of God, and so I just think that's a really inspiring uh, picture. I don't know quite what to make of, you know, whether, whether that you know, did his fingers really catch on fire? I don't know, but I but I love I love what that story is pointing to. Yeah. You know, this invitation to we do our little things and we try try to be pious, and God's saying, no, no, come into the fire of my love and become all flame. There's a radically different way to live, and so this song is exploring that. That's terrific. And the next track is "Let Love Lead You Home." 
Yeah. So this is the only uh, other than there's a, a bonus track as well that's yeah. a co-write, but but other than that bonus track, this is the only co-write on the album, and it came out of uh, a friend of mine. Her name is Laura Funk. She is a chaplain in Winnipeg at a, a care home for seniors, mm-hmm. and um, she sent me an email one day uh, just kind of describing this chaplaincy work and saying how um, she said in the email, you know, people ask me how to die and I tell them, well, I've never tried it. No, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But, but she said, yeah, she said, I find myself, you know, keeping people company as they die. And I find myself um, whispering certain things over them, singing certain things over them. Mm -hmm. And then she attached a little, poem of the things that she found herself uh, saying to them. And um, I said, oh, this is beautiful. Thanks for sharing this with me. And then it's funny, I actually went to the mall with my my young adult daughter. My daughter is 19. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is, I've never told anybody this part of the story, but yeah. my, my daughter was, you know, in a change room trying on one thing after another. And I was yeah. waiting just outside the change room. And I kept thinking about Laura and her chaplaincy work and the the beauty of what she was saying to these people and this song started to kind of take shape in in my mind and heart and wow. so I sent her a note and said hey could I could I try um, you know adapting your poem a little bit and setting it to music and she said absolutely wow. and I, I really love how it came out yeah. beautiful it's it's terrific and uh, next one is almost didn't recognize you. Yeah, so this is the song that we get the the album title from, Recognition, yep. Yep. Uh, conceptually. Yep. And it's just about, I think this has been right from my very first album, which was released um, just a little over 25 years ago, mm-hmm. the album, the album mm-hmm. I Can Hear You. Yep. Uh, this kind of enduring theme has been... No, learning to notice God speaking into and out of the thick of our days, to quote Frederick Buechner, um, that God is, you know, making overtures all the time, dropping little hints, um, moving around us. And so this is a return to that theme. I hope uh, hope I'm returning to it at ever deeper levels. First verse is just about, uh, you know, grumpily uh, being waken up earlier than I wanted to and then ending up being rewarded with a sunrise and, and being reminded again of, of, you know, the works of God's hands and what an amazing creator he is. And the second verse actually comes from a story that the monk Thomas Merton told about a time where he was just standing at an intersection in, in a city and all of a sudden uh, all the people going past him, he he saw as people who bear the image of God mm-hmm. and uh, it was like an overwhelming experience of, of just the sacredness of other human beings and, and seeing God in them and being just blown away. Um, so yeah, a couple of, a couple of case studies and learning to recognize the move of God. Beautiful. You mentioned the bonus track and this is called after this. Yeah, so that's actually part of what got my juices flowing early last year. Um, my, I've already mentioned my dual partner, Spencer. He, um, for a friend's podcast, he wrote a little piece of music that he was calling after this, and it was just this like achingly beautiful fiddle melody. And it was when we were maybe a, a month or two into the pandemic, and the the this violin melody just spoke to me so much of sort of the the 
ache of what we were being confronted with, the separation from mm, each other, the yeah. uncertainty about when it would be over. And so uh, much like with the, the story I told you with Laura, I mm. re reached out to Spence and said, hey, can I try can I try writing lyrics to this and, and see if it can become something we can sing as well as play? And he said, sure. And so, so we did that um, sort of last April or May of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then um, before even there was an idea of doing a whole record. And it was neat because we reached out to kind of our listener community and said, will you send us um, pictures or videos that kind of represent how you are experiencing COVID, and they sent us all this really moving footage and and pictures. And so there's a, there's a video that is is all of those things together to that song. So yeah, that came out last spring. And then when I ended up making a whole record, uh, we thought, oh, you know, that song would make great a great sort of like afterward yeah. on the on the yeah. album. So it's a bonus track on mm -hmm. recognition. That's terrific. We did actually skip one. We'll go back and get it. Momento More. Did I say that right? <laughs> you did. You did. Yes. So I don't know why monks are showing up so much, but yeah. the the the, um, the medieval monks would say this to each other. Instead, mm. When they would pass each other, if they were living in a monastery together, when they would pass each other in the hallway, they would say, Memento more, which means, in, it's a Latin phrase that means remember your death or remember you will die, okay. which seems which seems kind of dark and heavy. But, well, I thought but it was just a minute, come here, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 come here for a minute. Yeah, yeah right, right. No, it's actually remember your death. But they would say it, you know, they wouldn't say it in a morbid way. They no. would say it in a, you know, just... Be aware that life is short and you want to make the most of your one precious life. And then there's yes. a whole other the whole other story to come. And so um, that story tells, that song tells the story of, um, of having a dream where a, a, a monk walks in my room and, and says, Memento More. And, um, and it's funny, it's actually probably my favorite track on the album my my son ben says it's the weirdest song i've ever written so i, I don't know what that tells you but i think i think it's funny and i think but i think it also says something important so that's great i like it yeah awesome awesome well it's a great album and uh, you'll have to tell everybody how they can get it your website is simply just my name.com yeah carolyn aarons.com carolyn okay. is l-y-n and aarons yes. is a-r-e-n-d-s and yeah so and how what we're actually kind of experimenting with is the first single is becoming human so people okay. who are on you know spotify or apple or mm -hmm. amazon music or they can find becoming human there but yeah. then and, and that which is great and i hope they do um but then if they like that and they'd like to get the whole project then i hope they'll come and um, get the whole project from carolynearns.com. They can get it digitally or on a CD. Great. And there's even actually a, a kind of a companion project with yep. it called In the Morning, which is a project of um, acoustic uh, worship tunes. Yep. And uh, so that one's that one's up and available as well. I'll have to get that one. I didn't order that one yet, so I will oh, get on that we'll, right away. We'll, we'll get you one. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Okay. And your other music is un available on the same website as well. You have other albums available still. 
Yeah, I think yeah. Um, in some form or other you can get yeah. uh, with with the acoustic worship album. That's fourteen CDs, and I yeah. think um, I think they're all available. Uh, if you just click on the little shop link on carolynerrins.com, yeah, you can see see everything that we've got. Okay. Thanks. Well, thank you, Carolyn, for talking about your new album, Recognition, and I can guarantee it'll get a lot of airplay right here on Classic Christian Rock Radio. I so appreciate it. Thanks for okay. all you're doing, Jeff. Okay, thanks. I'm going to.